Hello, fellow ag nerds. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture. My name is Tim Hamrich, and if you're interested in where innovative ideas meet practical realities in food production, I think you found the right show. Today's episode is all about organic farming. We haven't talked about organic too terribly much on the program, and I thought it was long past time. And I know organic may be a concept that you have a strong opinion about one way or another, but I will say no matter what your perspective, whatever preconceived notions you're coming into the show with, I really encourage you to listen here to what our guest has to say. Now, I originally invited today's guest, Dr. Aaron Silva, onto the show to clear up one specific question I had that I was just wrestling with, which is, are organic standards so restrictive that it makes it difficult to grow organically while building healthier soils through practices such as no-till? I'd heard both sides. I'd heard organic is founded upon soil health, and I'd heard organic farmers were leaving the certification because... They wanted to uh, focus on soil health. So I wanted to clear that up. But once we started the interview, I started thinking about all sorts of perceptions of organic that Aaron was also able to help clear up for me. So if you're open to really examining some of the myths and realities related to organic agriculture, I think we've got a great show for you here today. Dr. Aaron Silva is an associate professor and state extension specialist in organic and sustainable cropping systems at the University of Wisconsin-Madison a position she's held for about 15 years now. She works in partnership with farmers to conduct research related to organic grain production with a focus on reducing tillage and incorporating soil health practices. So she not only is a data-driven scientific researcher, she's also constantly on the front lines looking at the practical adoption of organic practices. Aaron and I will try to pick apart myth from reality on several assumptions that exist out there about organic agriculture, such as organic is just about marketing, organic is not conducive to building soil health, organic is winding back the clock instead of moving forwards, organic is only for super small or super large farmers, organic systems can't ever be as productive as conventional systems, and organic doesn't ever embrace technology. Of course, there's not going to be any one perfect system for the future of agriculture. I can't say that on this show enough, but in my opinion, organic does have an important role to play. And there's practices that other growing approaches, even conventional, can learn from organic principles. Have a listen and see if you agree here. Erin first dove deep into learning about organic agriculture in the early 2000s, but says her real education came when she started working directly with farmers in 2006. I'll drop into the conversation here where she's describing how her own perspective on what organic is has evolved over the years. Here's my conversation with Dr. Aaron Silva. I, I first was looking at it from much more of an academic perspective. And now that I have been working in extension and, and really my extension program is, is very much in partnership with farmers. The only reason why I can do what I do is because I, I work with amazing farmers and industry throughout the state and really throughout the country and define research problems, um, research questions, and focus my extension program to meet their needs. And it's, it's really been working with farmers and industry that I've gotten a different 
perception of organic, a different understanding of organic that really comes from boots on the ground, understanding how farmers are able to manage the system using ecology, using biology, and the complex relationships that allow them to manage pests and weeds on their farm and produce a productive crop while maintaining and building soil health. Well, throughout the interview today, I hope we're going to address multiple of the the misconceptions surrounding organic agriculture that may exist out there. But for starters, and, and this may lead to one of the misconceptions, could you maybe characterize the types of farmers that you're working with? Um, I think one misconception is that organic is either, you know, your local CSA or it's like, you know, massive uh, Taylor Farms, Tanamir and Antle and kind of nothing in between. But uh, maybe could you sort of characterize, I'm sure they're diverse, but to, to the best of your ability, the types of farmers that you work with? Yeah, the, the organic farmers I work with are incredibly diverse. And with that diversity, we also have a diversity in the size of farms. So we have smaller farms that might be managing from the vegetable side of things, anywhere from one to 100 acres of organic vegetables to grain farms that might be managing about 50 to over a thousand acres of organic grain. So not only the the crops that are being grown are diverse, but the size of farms are diverse. And the approaches are diverse as well. So not all uh, farms that are managing organic acres are entirely organic. We have a lot of farms that manage as parallel operations that do some organic acres and, and some conventional acres under the same operation. And I'm sure the motivations behind those farmers going organic are probably equally as diverse. But can you talk about maybe some of the main ones? What's what's driving a conventional farmer to start to transition some acres over to organic? Yeah, having the opportunity to talk with a lot of organic farmers, their motivations to transition to organic are quite diverse. Uh, some of the farmers are, are motivated due to health concerns. They are third, fourth generation farmers. They've seen health issues come up in their family, whether it be their fathers or grandfathers or uncles, cousins. And that concerns them as they want to continue to raise their family on their farms, concerns for their own health and concerns for their children's health. So looking at farming approaches where they might be able to reduce their exposure to chemicals and have a positive impact on not only their family's health, but their community's health. Some are motivated by um, understanding the environmental impacts of, of agriculture and wanting to play a, a positive role with respect to uh, mitigating the negative impacts of agriculture, whether that be with respect to soil quality or water quality or biodiversity in the broader ecosystem. Some are motivated by economics, of course. So to be a farmer, you have to make a living, not only for yourself, but also for future generations that may be managing that land. So whether it's the more immediate economic gain of transitioning to organic or thinking as they're looking at passing that operation on to their, their children or grandchildren, looking at a way where they might be able to reduce inputs, so cut the cost of inputs and be able to capture that that market premium that organic has brought. So that um, you know, two to three time uh price for that product as compared to conventional product that organic typically fetches at the market. And is that premium still there? I, I've heard some people speculate that that premium is sort of diminishing somewhat. Is that premium still there? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And just like uh, conventional prices can vary depending on market factors and, and other influences with respect to supply and demand, organic can certainly do that as well. So organic premiums um, certainly have fluctuated and there, there are certain crops, uh, corn and, and dairy among them that have been on the downswing, but there's other crops such as organic soybeans that have been on the upswing. So overall, organic generally, you're in it for the long game. So um, um, you have to be able to ride out through a diverse crop rotation and through diverse marketing strategies, some of those price fluctuations. But overall, the premiums have still been trending positively. But yes, yeah, certainly there has been some, some ups and downs in the market in recent years. There's been another term that sort of has become a, a media darling in recent years, which is regenerative. Uh, can you maybe talk about organic and regenerative, you know, my understanding is that the regenerative purists would say that, you know, all regenerative farms are farming organically. But, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions with with regenerative because it's a very loosely defined term to put it nicely. Uh, Could you maybe talk about organic and regenerative and kind of how the two maybe overlap or don't? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, as we've seen more recognition of regenerative agriculture and more interest in regenerative agriculture, it certainly brings forward questions on how organic relates to regenerative and where they might converge or, or diverge. And and overall, I think there's more synergies and opposition with respect to regenerative and organic. A lot of the goals are very similar. Organic uh, from its first conceptualization, um, you know, from more of a, a modern definition about 100, 120 years ago, but but really is, is often pointed out or organic and the concepts of organic are, are really fundamental to a lot of indigenous communities and a lot of native communities and, and really how many communities have farmed for thousands of years. But with that more modern definition, organic is really founded on soil health and stewarding the soil and concerns that in the early 1900s, whether it be in Europe with some newer technologies that were arising or in the U.S. with what we were seeing with the Dust Bowl and some of the concerns with agriculture, a recognition that we really needed to take care of our soil. And that that is built into the foundation of organic stewarding the soil, adopting practices through crop rotation, through preventative methods that allow for bringing down the weed seed bank and managing weeds that were taking care of our land, taking care of our soil for generations to come. And a lot of that is is embedded in regenerative as well. We're not just looking at sustaining or maintaining our soil, but regenerating our soil so we make a better future for our communities and for our environment. So I, I think at the heart, there's a lot of um, similarities between the two movements. I think where they diverge is, is some of the issue with the organic regulation that limits some of the inputs and tools that are still available to the regenerative farmer. Yeah. And I, I want to talk more about that because uh, I have heard and read that organic has been focused on soil health from day one, but I've also talked to other farmers that say there's no way they could do things like no-till uh, without the herbicide products that they use that wouldn't be available in organic. So uh, maybe talk about uh, how that works, if that's possible, and and what you're finding there. 
Uh, the issue of tillage and organic is, is certainly one that brings up a lot of heated debate and a lot of emotion. You know, tillage is still a tool that is, is commonly used in organic, primarily to manage weeds. In organic, the, the use of herbicides is quite limited. There are some organically approved herbicides, but because of their effectiveness and cost, they're very rarely used. So one of the strategies to, to manage weeds in organic systems is through tillage, either tilling, primary tillage prior to planting or cultivation, which also is disturbing the soil. But soil disturbance can also be thought of as chemical disturbance. When you think about the soil biology, they're not only affected by physical disturbance, um, but those communities can be affected by chemical disturbances. What we're applying to the soil, swings in pH, can also be affected by other disturbances like soil moisture, temperature. So soil disturbance is more than just a physical disturbance. There's other disturbances as well that, that we should consider when managing and assessing the system. There are other preventative means that organic farmers use, um, diverse crop rotations, cover crops, and a lot of the strategies that we now know are fundamental to building soil health more generally. So when we look at the bigger picture, we are doing some actions within the organic system that are potentially detrimental to soil health. We're also adopting a lot of strategies that we know build soil health. So when we look at the five soil health principles, organic is really hitting most, if not all of those, depending on the system and the strategies that the farmers are adopting. Many organic farmers also integrate livestock to their systems, and that's another tool to manage weeds by adding perennial forages or, or having those animals graze. Um, but the question of, of tillage is a concern, and that's where a lot of the work that I've been doing over the past 15 years at UW-Madison has been developing methods for organic no-till that aren't reliant on herbicides. And interestingly, again, as we look at the, the rise of regenerative agriculture and the continued adoption of regenerative strategies on farms, a lot of those techniques that we've developed, not only my program, but the Rodale Institute and other universities such as Cornell University and North Carolina State University, the USDA um, scientists, those are now being adopted in the regenerative sphere. The roller crimper and using rolled rye for soybean production, planting green, um, using cover crops as an interseeded crop. A lot of those strategies had been adopted and those techniques were developed within organic systems, but are now being adopted by conventional systems. And even more so as we see the breakdown of, of the effectiveness of our herbicide tools and the rise of herbicide-resistant weeds, we're seeing a lot of those strategies being adopted and um, a recognition that the continued strategy of, of no-till production that's solely reliant on chemical tools is, is really not something that's going to sustain us into the future. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, that last one, whereas as these tools become less effective people are going to be looking for organic solutions, whether or not they want to be certified organic. Is that right? Exactly. I, I feel like over the last couple of years, I've been engaging with conventional farmers as much as I've been engaging with organic farmers. And that's been incredibly exciting. And the innovation that comes out of both these management strategies, I think, is really what's going to lead us into the future. Not being dogmatic about 
organic or conventional, but but really looking forward and seeing you know, all the tools we have available, the technology we have available, the genetics we have available, and building an integrated system that uses the best of all of what we have to create a system that that really brings us forward where we need to be. And it's almost like the the organic popularity has become kind of a blessing and a curse because it, it maybe has pushed people into those dogmatic conversations rather than exactly what you just said, which I think was brilliant. And so I wonder, you know, for you as a scientist, you know, you probably hear people say, well, organic, that's just about marketing, right? It's just about telling the customer a story so they pay more, but it really isn't. So maybe can you talk about how you address that pushback that I'm sure you've experienced? Yeah, um, the pushback of organic as a marketing tool, that it's it's solely a label that is appealing to the emotions of consumers without really understanding what agriculture is or or where their food comes from or the, the complexity that goes into to managing the land to bring people a, a high quality product to sustain themselves and their family. I mean, that's, that's a criticism that is often levied, but I, I think unfairly so. I think most organic farmers, if not all organic farmers that I work with are are looking at managing the, the best way that they can, again, following the foundational principles of organic, of focusing on land stewardship and being the best organic farmers they can possibly be and the best stewards of their land that they can possibly be. I do think that it is a, a benefit that organic farmers are able to, to have that clear message to to consumers. And I, I do think that that is something that overall agriculture is going to continue to, to struggle with, to be able to make that connection with consumers, especially as, as fewer consumers are, are connected with the land themselves. And I, I do see that as a, a struggle with regenerative or soil health in general. Farmers that, that are adopting these practices, being the best stewards of their land, looking at making a good future for their families and communities. How do they, they mess that to consumers and uh, be able to communicate that value to consumers. And, and organic has done a very good job at that. And I, I think that that is a benefit to organic farmers. But I, I think that's something that would benefit all of agriculture to you know, similarly be able to communicate their stories to consumers in a clear way that consumers can understand the, the value of what farmers are doing. Yeah, I think Organic's advantage is that it's so well defined, but how do you make sure that it still stays a focus on principles instead of on rules? Exactly. I think it's a blessing and a curse sometimes that organic is so well defined. From a marketing perspective, having a very well defined program, a well defined system really facilitates communication and understanding. So when a consumer sees the organic label, they know exactly what they're getting. But it is easy to fall into the trap of following rules instead of, of following principles or following what are some of the best practices in a more integrative way that get us to our goals that are more outcomes based versus just following the rules, really putting things together to get us where we want to go with respect to maximizing soil health and ecology and the, the health of our land and the health of our people. Within the International Organic Program, there is a, a regulatory body called the National Organic Standards Board that continues to review the program and ideally make changes to the program to ensure that we really are focused on the principles and really are maintaining the intent of 
what we're, we're hoping to achieve with the regulation. So it is an iterative process that continues to be refined and continues to change as the industry change, as the markets change, and the number of acres change, as well as technology change. And it's certainly responsive to not only new technology that's emerging, but science that is emerging and the best practices that are evolving in response to that science. You'll often hear the quick dismissal of organic as organic can't feed the world. And that makes me cringe, maybe not so much because I am a massive advocate of organic, but more because anytime somebody just dismisses an agricultural approach as that can't feed the world, I think they're missing the point because it needs to be, you know, a multitude of different solutions, each tailored to its individual local area. But that being said, you know, the work you're doing is kind of dismissing that question and saying, well, how can we make organic work in these systems? How can we use organic to build healthier soils? You know, based on the work you're doing, are you confident that we can farm in these systems organically and meet or get close to the productivity of conventional systems? Uh, that's a great question. Um the productivity organic as compared to conventional and how that relates to you know the critical societal challenge of feeding a growing population. And, th and there's been several studies that have looked at the productivity of organic and whether um, organic can produce enough food, again, to, to meet the, the challenge of feeding our growing population. This really varies depending on crop and climate. And I guess that's a typical university scientist, it depends uh, type answer. Uh, but for many of the crops, we found from long-term studies that indeed yields can be quite competitive. For example, at the University of Wisconsin, there is a long-term study uh, located in southern Wisconsin called the Wisconsin Integrated Cropping Systems Trial. And that's looked at organic crop yields for corn, soybean, winter wheat, and alfalfa for the past 30 years. And that's in side-by-side -side in comparison with conventional management strategies. And what this trial has found after 30 years of organic is that indeed organic yields can be quite competitive. They can yield within 95 to 99% of conventional yields, so they're statistically equivalent. There are some years where that's more challenging, and yields are often challenged in certain seasons where farmers might not be able to get out in the field in a timely manner to, to do weed management. We're seeing some, some changes uh, with yields in both conventional and organic as uh, some of the genetics are improved so that there's better crop varieties out there and, and options for farmers. And also as we see our strategies improve that we become better farmers and, and more experienced um, farming organically. And we expect to see the same thing on the broader landscape that as there's more information and education and experience and models of how to farm organically well and more plant breeding that's aimed to meet Meeting the needs of organic farmers. So developing crop varieties that are specifically adapted for organic management, and even perhaps more importantly, specifically adapted for different regions across the U.S. to deal with the different climatic conditions and diseases that might be available, we can expect organic yields to only get better. And including some new technology on the market, new equipment that's able to manage weeds without depending on tillage and without depending on cultivation, so that we're able to give the, the crop a competitive advantage and not experience yield loss due to weed competition. There are certainly circumstances where we don't see that same competitive 
uniqueness with uh, organic yields versus conventional yields. Some crops are definitely more challenging um, in certain areas. Cereal grains can be more challenging with respect to yields. Vegetable crops that are more heavily dependent on chemical inputs uh, are more susceptible to, to diseases and insect pressure. But when we look at our, our staple crops, oftentimes they are quite competitive And on a global scale, a lot of what we see with respect to challenges with feeding people and feeding communities isn't necessarily the production of those crops, but really the distribution of those crops and and different aspects related to infrastructure and and politics and moving food to where it needs to be. So that's another conversation with respect to developing policy and, and infrastructure and empowering people to feed themselves on a more local basis. But when we look um, again from long-term trials and seeing what, what we're able to see with respect to county averages from a farmer perspective, organic can can perform quite well in, in many circumstances in many regions. And could you talk about O-Grain? Introduce us to what is O-Grain and, and uh, kind of what you're doing there. Uh, O-Grain started about five years ago. And O-Grain is an acronym that stands for the Organic Grain Resource and Information Network. So this started as a need that was observed within the organic farming community that there wasn't a great way for organic grain farmers to connect. Oftentimes in the organic farming community and probably within the, the broader farming community, we know that farmers learn best from other farmers. They, they appreciate hearing how other farmers have approach problems, have solved problems, how they have effectively managed their crops, and be able to build a community where we really facilitate this, this peer-to-peer learning. Organic farming, especially in, in certain areas of the country, can be a, a fairly lonely endeavor. You may not have an organic farming neighbor not only a direct neighbor, but there might not be an organic farmer um, for 100 miles. So being able to connect with organic farmers, being able to learn from organic farmers, being able to share experiences, not only with crop production, but with markets, uh, really is key um, to the success and, and growth of the organic industry. Uh, we also saw that there was an increasing demand for organic grain. So where the organic market was growing, we weren't seeing domestic organic acres growing. And a lot of the organic product that was being used by companies selling their products here in the the U.S. were being uh, imported from overseas. So there was an opportunity for farmers within the U.S. to to transition to organic, to take advantage of the growing organic market and the organic premiums. And we wanted to set those those farmers up for success throughout transition. So we developed the, the O-Grain program to be able to facilitate uh, some of the great innovation research that was being done on farm by, by farmers themselves. Very cool. And as you've done that outreach work and kind of included O-Grain as a as a tool for that, what have you noticed are the most common challenges to people trying to go organic, but maybe struggling in some way? Uh, challenges to organic, uh, there is certainly a number of challenges. Um, transitioning to organic is not easy. There is a lot of profound changes that that need to be made in terms of 
not only the management of the crops, but the tools that the farmer uses and new markets that the farmer has to to engage with. Uh, weed management is is always a, a challenge for organic farmers. And again, we've been developing new tools with organic no-till. There's some really cool new technologies on the market and improvements on existing tools. I mean, organic farming certainly isn't your grandfather's farming. I mean, there's, there's a lot we can learn from previous generations and a lot of knowledge that I think we should revisit, honestly. But organic is, is not a step back. There's a lot of new technology, um, a lot of new genetics, and a lot of new strategies and, and science. The organic Pests and diseases, often not so much so. There, there are some diseases, particularly with cereal grains, that certainly are challenging. But I think when transitioning to organic, the insecticide tools or the loss of insecticide tools are, are one of the things that, that scare farmers most. And as we see us, us move into more diverse crop rotations and the land managed with more diverse crop rotations, the insects tend to fall by the wayside. Not to say that they're never a problem, but not as much as I think many farmers anticipate. But the other major challenge I see is markets. Organic farmers are, are really reliant um, to be effective managers, especially from the weed management side of things, but but also from the uh, soil health side of things. They're very reliant on diverse crop rotations, and those crop rotations help with uh, bringing down weed pressure, help reduce tillage across the rotation. Uh, but there's not always easy markets for diverse rotations. You know, corn and soybeans, we often have pretty ready markets for, but as we look at looking at food grade cereal grains or some of the more specialty crops, there's a lot of options that are out there to diversify the rotation, but, but finding the markets can be a challenge. Well, I, I appreciate you indulging me on all these questions about organic in general, because I think about it a lot, but I haven't had many people who work specifically in organic with producers like you do. And I know this question is maybe a little bit outside of where you spend most of your research, but wondering if you know the answer. I know organic has not embraced GMO crops, but with this rise of like gene editing, is that something that can be used in organic systems as we look at genetics and productivity? That's another great question. So with respect to other tools related to plant breeding and how that is going to evolve within the organic regulation as new technologies evolve, that's a that's a big question that the organic industry is is going to have to grapple with. And again, that that really is embedded in this iterative process of continued improvement in organic and the regulation evolving as as technology and the needs of the organic um, industry evolves. As, as new technologies emerge, it's, it's hard to say. It, it really is not only dependent on the technology, but also its broader impacts on, on how the land is, is managed. And with the caveat that this is my perception, this is, this is my uh, interpretation and, and not a reflection of the broader organic community or, or the National Organic Program, but a, a lot of uh, where we see organic is is making decisions with respect to technology, again, is not necessarily on the basis of the individual technology, but how that impacts the, the broader system of management that is looking at a more holistic way of managing that 
is not overly reliant on a certain tool or technology that's that's going to sway management from more of this systems-based ecology. So it's a big question. It's something that really um, goes to the heart of, of organic. And there are concerns about where does that technology fit into the future of organic management. But honestly, too, uh, what we're, we're seeing with respect to like I mentioned, organic breeding um, and, and developing crop varieties specifically for organic production systems, not only more broadly for organic management, but on a more site-specific basis is, is really something that's a priority for organic and something that we've already seen some really significant gains from. And one of the recognitions of the organic community and, and the National Organic Program or National Organic Standards Board is that there, there are other, other ways that we can develop and improve our crop varieties that are more reliant on classical breeding versus these technologies. So just because we're not using those technologies doesn't mean that we're not making gains with respect to improving crop varieties that are more adapted for organic management. And, and interestingly, as we look towards regenerative as well, one of the projects that we are, are just starting to work on in, in partnership with some plant breeders here at UW-Madison is, is looking at evaluating varieties that are more adapted to intensive cover crop systems. So looking at varieties of, of corn that can be planted into cover crop stands. So like more conventional farmers are, are using techniques of planting green. These would be similar to some of our organic no-till strategies using cover crops. Um, and looking at selecting new varieties that are, are specifically adapted to that management. So um, there's some some really cool things happening with plant breeding and, and plant variety development that are appropriate for organic and would be allowable in organic, but not reliant on uh, some of the more gene editing or technology that is currently and, and likely will continue to be prohibited within the uh, organic regulation. Um, well, this is this is great, uh, Aaron. I I really appreciate all this. I want to talk a little bit about the technology and innovation in organic agriculture because I think that there can be a misconception out there that organic is is sort of anti advancement. It's like we want to go backwards rather than forwards. So, can you maybe talk uh, a little bit about that? Anything I know we've discussed several when it comes to things like you know cover crops and figuring out a way to do no till, but any technology in terms of tools or innovations that you're excited about when it comes to organic ag? That's been one of the most exciting parts of my job over the last three years or so has been having the opportunity to to work more with different aspects of not only equipment, but also some precision ag tools and, and some innovation with respect to computer-based applications. A lot of the, the technology that we're seeing, um, you know, whether it's respect to RTK or being able to use precision agriculture across the field, it certainly helps with making weed management more effective, being able to get closer to the crop with different cultivation equipment, more effectively draw down weed populations in the field. Uh, there's also some incredible innovation with respect to 
different tools related to organic no-till techniques, whether they be crimpers or mowers or other tools that are able to kill weeds after they've established in the field, tools like weed zappers or essentially large cutters that are able to go over the crop and cut back weeds. There's also some really exciting precision technology with robots that are able to go down single rows and manage weeds, again, in a way that's minimizing soil disturbance, minimizing compaction, and minimizing the impacts to our soil. There's also some really exciting things on the horizon with respect to drones and mapping fields and using precision agriculture for organic. We think about potentially using um, precision cover crop mixtures to deal with uh, certain aspects of soil compaction or weed populations through the field. We can think of other applications to be able to help farmers be able to organize data and compile data, which not only help be better precision managers and, and deal with problems on a more site-specific basis and be able to develop more specific ecological solutions. But when we think about challenges to organic, organic farmers are often challenged with some of the the record-keeping aspects of organic. And there's a lot of cool things in terms of programs and, and technology and smartphone apps that are able to, to help farmers be able to compile and aggregate this data, which not only helps with the organic certification process, but again, also helps with becoming better managers and doing doing more precision management, site-specific management across their fields. And a lot of this, again, is, is not only exciting for organic, but exciting for conventional regenerative agriculture as well that, again, have those same goals in mind of looking at more systems-based management strategies for minimizing weed pressure, looking at innovative ways to adopt no-till practices on their farms and adopt the soil health principles and innovative ways to insert more precision management within their operations as well. And more broadly, because you mentioned also like precision technology and other technology and tools that that could come to the industry. Is there a a startup out there that you find really interesting or you think is showing some promise for helping organic producers that we could give a shout out to? We work with uh, several partners locally with equipment. Underground Agriculture is a company that we work with and McFarland's that is located near Madison. They've both been great partners with respect to looking at evaluating equipment and developing equipment that is, again, not only something that would be of great value for organic agriculture, but more broadly, the regenerative agriculture sphere as, as that develops. Well, as, as you look to kind of the future, what, what are the big questions that are guiding your work you know, today? What are the next challenges that you want to help your organic producers with? One of the big questions on organic farmers' minds relate to soil biology and soil ecology and understanding how do we manage our soils to optimize soil biology and soil ecology and how that relates specifically to nutrient fertility management, building soil health, and building soil carbon. So again, big questions that are not specific to the organic farming community, but really are are overarching across all of our agricultural systems, trying to understand how to, to, to work with the system, how to work with biology and ecology, and ultimately become better managers that are stewards of the land, stewards of the environment, and can keep agriculture moving forward in a positive direction for future generations and future farmers and and rural communities. 
Thank you very much to Dr. Aaron Silva for being on the show. I hope that brought more clarity into organic agriculture for you. I know it definitely did for me. Two websites you definitely need to go check out. The first one is Aaron Silva's YouTube channel. Just search her name, Wisconsin, on YouTube, and you'll find it. She has some fantastic videos if you're interested in any of this stuff we just talked about, you'll definitely want to go check that out. And then also check out the Ograin website. It's just Ograin, O-G-R-A-I-N dot C-A-L-S dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. I'll also put those links in the show notes if you don't want to memorize them. Thanks so much for your time and your attention. I never take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. (laughs) 